one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer. Woo! I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, physical therapist extraordinaire, amazing human, Kristen Williams. Hey, Laura. Hey, everybody. Hey, hey. All right, let's get... Uh, hit the ground running here. We have a question that came in through support um, that says it is from Christine, Christine Lavalli. I was gifted a set of yoga buddy wrist blocks. I do have some discomfort in my wrists occasionally in crow or handstand, but I'm unsure if these are a good or safe solution. Do you recommend or what do you suggest to strengthen wrists and take some of the pressure off during hand balance poses? Many thanks. Love the Q&A. So this is not an uncommon question. I am not familiar with the Yoga Buddy wrist blocks. Are you? I have a feeling they're ones that um, enable you to kind of hold like you're holding a weight. So it's um, you're not pushing, you're not in wrist extension, but you just kind of grab it. Um, they have, I think these have kind of two, in, it, it looks actually like a, uh, a dumbbell. And oh. Okay, I, I just pulled them up. Let me oh, share. Yeah. Because they're interesting. They're actually, it can look like a, oh, this is kind of cool, believe it or not. Uh, uh, <laughs> not that uh, we're promoting anything, but it, it, if you turn it on its side, yes, it is saying what, what, what you're saying, Laura, keep, keep talking. So, yeah. So first of all, let's just talk about wrist stuff before you even think about using a modification. Um, for wrist extension, uh, you, we don't, we're not in wrist extension much during the day. We're in a lot of wrist flexion. So that's like grabbing something, typing, et cetera. We're very rarely in a wrist extended m mode. I always say, unless you're like carrying a tray over your head, like I used to do when I was working in a restaurant. Um, but other than that, we really aren't in that range of motion. So when we talk about joint mobility, there's a spectrum within that range of motion. And then so first you have to have the range of motion, but then you have strength within it. It's kind of like a dial. Like, so we have, we might have a lot of um, flexion strength. We actually might not. Like grip strength is correlated with longevity. 
And if you've ever done a grip strength test, sometimes it's really surprising how weak we actually are, even though we're in a flex position. So this, this adds another layer, which is just because you're in a range of motion often doesn't mean that you're strong in that range of motion. For instance, we might be sitting and our hips are in flexion. They're flexed, but they're not actively flexing. They're not getting strong. So we, a lot of people actually need more hip flexion strengthening, but they think, oh, I just have to stretch my hips because they feel so tight. So it's, there's the, where the position of the joint is, do you have the full range of motion? And then do you have strength within that range of motion? So the issue a lot of times in yoga is we, um, really traditional yoga, you, you come in, you don't do much of a kind of warm up, and then you get right into it. And so a lot of people will talk about having wrist pain because they're getting right into a plank or down dog or something like that, which you need at least neutral. Um, you need to get into that neutral position and beyond for, for extension, like in plank. And then you layer like getting way over and the load of your body weight in something like crow and handstand, then you're not only in that wrist extension, but you really are loading it. So you, the, the answer is whether you use a modified thing like a block. So I, I'm not against these props um, as a tool, kind of as a kind of bridge um, unless you have something like a ganglion, which is not something you can do much about. But if it's just you're feeling a lot of compression in your wrist, that's just a message that you need to get that range of motion and you then need to get strength within it. So you just have to, it's like a gradient curve. You get the range of motion, you start loading in a quadruped, rock forward and back, getting more extension with your weight over it. Then you try that in plank. Those are fundamental before you even think about like a crow. Crow is a lot, it's beyond 90 degrees, and then it's your body weight on your arms, so even more down into the wrist. So if you don't have the range of motion, it's gonna feel really junky and clunky. And then of course, if you don't have the strength within that range of motion, it's just gonna feel you know, like you can't hold, like you're gonna break. What else would you like to add to that? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's so true. And I mean, I can identify, you know, with you, Christine, I've definitely struggled with wrist issues on occasion. My problem with a block or even a dumbbell or something, I mean, especially for a handstand or a crow, I mean, you're already balancing on your hands. So then going on something that's unstable, that like when think of your um, think of your hands as your, as your feet uh, um, when you're on the when you're on your hands getting that spread of the fingers and that that wider base of support is important just like it's harder to walk in stilettos you know it's 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 harder to walk on your tippy toes when you have a smaller base of support so kind of what happens i think i did look at those um blocks which i think are pretty cool for people who struggle with wrist pain let's say even for a twisted crescent or you know something a side plank which you have a larger base support, but for a true arm balance, especially a handstand, that would make me very nervous to be on because to get your hands in more of like the um, uh, dumbbell holding position, you're on the long skinny side to balance. The flatter, more supportive side that we do play around with handstands on blocks on the flat low setting, um, it, you know, I don't know that it would give you as much uh, relief in a hand balancing position. I think what Laura's saying with 
you got to get the range of motion. And without the range of motion, um, trying these balance poses, it's just so much weight through this small joint. Um, I know whenever mine are, whenever mine get irritated, they lose range because why? Well, you get swelling in the area. And so while it's swollen, while it's irritated, I actually do less and I do less weighted range of motion, body weight weighted range of motion, but I will get on my hands, like what you said, Laura, quadruped, plank, doing all of the wrist stretches on your YouTube for free. I have a wrist warm up on there. If you go to, lit, to the Lit Yoga Method uh, YouTube site, I've got stuff on there. I've got some other wrist things. We do a ton of stuff on our website with, um, you know, wrist focused classes. I even have an entire series, Weightless in the Wrists, that a lot of people will like to use when their wrists are bothered. Because that's the thing. What Exactly what you said, Laura, you've got to get the, the, the range of motion, numero uno. Then you have to get that strength at the end range. And case in point, full weighted positions, i.e. crow, crane especially, forget about that. And even handstand tends to go past that 90 degree range. It's just too much. You know, we would never, well, everybody but Laura, most people would not go out and run a marathon right away without some sort of training. I'm joking. You had some training. When I was before. 18. <laughs> yes, I was 18 and could do that stuff. But nowadays you would never do that. You know, you wouldn't go to the gym and start bench pressing with the big 45 pound dumbbells and the bar. You, you just wouldn't. And we're kind of doing the same thing to our wrists if they aren't ready for it by going into those fully body weighted positions. So do I like the blocks you're talking about? I think they're great to use in a just, you know, your single arm weight bearing or your, you know, the, your, your twisted crescents, your, uh, mod your side plank can is, I think that's still stable enough. Anything that you're coming on to one half moon, things like that, because they, they will allow you to keep your wrist less extended, um, which in the short term feels better, but, but you do, you, you need to get that strength. You need to build up slowly. You need to do the, do the work even before you practice, you know, when mine are bothering me, I'll spend five minutes before I even do the reset and do my little wrist thing. And then of course, I always bring it up to the scapula. We've talked about this in other podcasts. Look and see what's happening up above, because that might be why your wrists are bothering you if you're not working well in the scapula, if you're not strong there, um, if you're kind of sinking into the wrist versus using the strength of your core, you know, your scapulae to get out of those, those wrists. I think about, especially with crow, when I'm in crow, I think of lifting up look out like the knees. I almost want to feel like I'm hovering, but I'm not, but I'm lifting up with my deep pit of my belly and my psoas to unweight the hands. That's more challenging to do in handstand. But I do think what's interesting about handstand is I find I'm putting more weight through my wrists when my scapula, when I'm not really putting enough weight through my scapula. Um, when I'm, when I'm in more of that I, I don't ever go into, let's say, a banana shape, but I might be in less than full shoulder flexion. So 
I'm, I'm extending my wrist more to get my butt over my shoulders. So that's the other thing is, you know, really look at, at your, at, at your shoulder position in a handstand, you know, why are you putting the weight through the wrist? Um, and you know, what can you do to ameliorate that in the short term? So that's, that's my two cents there. Yeah. And I would just add on, this is all making me think like the thing about yoga, um, and this could be in any form of exercise movement is that we get these, you know, drills or poses or the almost like a checkoff, like I want to be able to do this. And we have to start thinking of these things like you're learning to ride a bike and you have the training wheels and you're going to have them on for a while until you feel balanced, until you feel strong enough, until you really feel your center of mass balanced and you can make those adjustments. And the practice toward these type of poses should be looked at as the same way. It's going to take even longer than learning how to ride a bike because it's more challenging in many ways. It's very different. Getting on your hands, many people haven't gotten on their hands for years, maybe even decades. So, and to Kristen's point, I cannot emphasize enough, if you haven't tried lit yoga, you've got to try it because we prepare your body to enable you to do this. And because it's very, it's multifaceted, you have to have mobility. You've got to have stability. You've got to have your core stability, because that's going to help you unweight all of these, um, you know, joints. Because you're going to be everything's going to be contributing to the workload, so it's not being compressed in the joint. You need to have, you know, a really good postural alignment so that you can get that full range of shoulder flexion, scapula mobility, and scapula stability. And we we take you through all that in our developmental beginning, which is called our reset to better prepare you. And then just stick with it, right? You don't have to rush anything. I'm not against using um, props like this when you have some kind of wrist issue, but I don't get attached to this idea that you have bad wrist or weak wrist, or you always have to use something like that. Very few people actually have to use these things if they had some kind of car accident or surgery, which really limited their range of motion and couldn't otherwise get on their hands without some kind of supplemental thing. But otherwise, really use it um, sparingly. And if you feel wrist pain, just think, I need more core. I need more scapula stability. I need more shoulder range of motion. And with that, where what's happening in your rib cage? So it really is multifaceted. And sometimes when we, I, I'm not saying any, that Christine is doing this or anybody else, but if we stick like a kind of Band-Aid in there, like a, in the form of a prop thing, it's not addressing all of the different elements that contribute to um, feeling good on your wrist. Yeah, it, those are great short-term um, ways to allow you to stay practicing, but you need to address the root cause. Um, and always, a lot cheaper always. version is just using your fist, using your fingertips, things mm -hmm. like that. Those are free. That's what I do whenever mine get aggravated and I do it on the short term. And, you know, cause again, we need to let the body heal, but we really want to, and I know Christine does too. She wants to, she doesn't want to deal with this. She would much rather treat the root cause. That would be, those are great, great suggestions. As you may already know, not all movement practices are designed in an equal way. In the Lit Yoga Method, we help you retrain your brain and body to move better for everyday life. Through physical therapy drills, yoga, functional mobility, core stability, and flexibility, the Lit Method rewires habitual movement patterns and postural imbalances to help you feel stronger, more energized, and more balanced, both on and off the mat. 
Our online platform, The Lit Daily, is designed for easy convenience with a robust offering of class types, so you can boost your energy while getting stress relief. Improved brain wiring means you will move with more ease and efficiency because we teach you the how and why behind movement choices, not just poses for the sake of poses. All movement teachers on the platform are certified by LIT and share a common language providing education with clear cues that give you the needed reinforcement for enhancing your movement habits. Thousands of students in over 50 countries get LIT to feel more confident, more powerful, and more alive. We offer two subscription options for all levels and bodies. The Lit Daily option consists of over 500 classes in our library, with so many categories I can't even list them, but some include short on time, injury prevention, stress reliefs, and different body parts. There's also a Tuesday and Thursday live class that's streamed on the daily, and there's always a class of the day to help you take the guesswork out of what class to do. Lit Daily members also get 50% off the monthly workshops. The Lit Prime subscription offer has everything in the daily plus over 20 weekly live Zoom classes with lit teachers providing real-time feedback. This is wonderful for community and to get your feedback from a teacher for your own alignment. We also get free monthly workshops in the Lit Prime option. Both of these are streamable right into any TV or device through an Android, iPhone, and iPad apps. Movement changes everything, and when we move better, we feel better. So sign up for our free two-week trial and see how getting lit can help you feel your best today and for years to come. All right, this next one is from Anonymous. Um, he or she wrote me, what does it mean if a pose is heart-opening, and what are the benefits? Well, I mean, I can certainly pop in here. I mean, what mm -hmm. I think of a heart opening pose is I think of that more as actually thoracic extension in, in my brain. I think people, traditional yoga thinks of heart opening as adding, I think, quite a bit of shoulder uh, horizontal abduction or abduction where there's this drawing back, extending the shoulders, um, which do we need that? Probably a lot of people are really tight in our, in our chest, but can we, where do we need it more? And where do we need it? I think what is a, a healthier, safer way to get it is from your upper back. You know, a lot of us spend so much time. Think of the, think of where the heart is. The heart was, it resides within the rib cage and within the rib cage is attached to the thoracic part of our spine. And if that is closed in, that's going to be closed in at the spine. The spine is rounded around this. Yes, the shoulders come forward too, but that's really as a function of the scapula following the ribs, following the shape that the spine creates. So you don't even have to move your shoulders. If you just get a better posture by drawing your, your think of drawing your sternum forward and opening in the upper back your shoulders will naturally follow. Um, and that is what I think of as a heart opening. So any pose, and I would argue personally, almost every pose should be in this heart open position. Um, even my devotional warriors, you know, where I'm, where we're hinging forward, doesn't matter what my hands are doing. I'm in a heart open, my airplane warrior three, some people call that I'm in an open-hearted position. I look around the room and see a lot of people aren't. 
because why we go into our postural habits, which is a closed hearted position. We are posturally closed. So I would argue every pose should be open heart, even plank people. People are putting in plank and then protracting those shoulder blades and they're closing off their heart. Draw the chest through, extend in the upper upper back and you're going to feel this broad, it's a lovely feeling, this broadness across your collarbones, this ability to take a better breath. You know, I talk about this a lot in my stretch class about, I, I would argue that thoracic extension is the number one thing people should do as they get older. Um, why? Because of the rib cage, because of the lungs. You need to be able to open your chest. You need to be able to get that big breath because as we age, we're more susceptible to, um, you know, lung infections. We have a harder time because we lose that pliability in our upper back, in our ribs, in our core, in our in our whole body, to, to be fair. But especially think about everybody right now. You're, I don't care what you're doing. Round your back and slouch and try to take a deep breath and see what how restricted you feel. Now, come up into a nice triple S, draw your head back in space, extend in the upper back, take a deep breath and feel that expansion. You can expand in the upper lungs, you can expand in the lower lungs. So, you know, heart opening really boils down to the triple S and you should be trying to find that pose, that position throughout in every single solitary pose you come into. I'll hop off my soapbox and let you hop onto yours, Laura, because I know you agree. <laughs> I totally agree. And I think, you know, I don't know if this was the intention of this question, but I get, we'll hear this a lot. And, and it used to be like when I started in the yoga world 27 years ago, it was always like heart opening, lead with your heart and all that. And then some people kind of in the science realm are like, wait, that's not really your heart. Your heart's over to this side. And Whatever it is, the idea is metaphorically, um, when we talk about the chakras, the energetic um, bot, the channels, this, um, this area in around your heart within the rib cage, like KB was talking about, all the way through to between the scapula is this metaphorical heart center. And there really is something to that where you're standing with this openness in your chest, there is a sense of generosity and compassion and I am here, like also steadiness. So that can be reflected inward as well as outward. And there's, I always say actually to stand in that open-hearted way is takes a lot of strength because a lot of life, our postural um, life and um, our experiences in life can really contract us because that makes us feel somehow either smaller or more secure, but it's not. It's it's closing us off. It's closing off our breath. It's closing off our energy. It's closing off our generosity, our receptivity, and our giving. So I think, yes, like KB said, we want that to aspire for that, that lift, that openness in the sternum always. Now, what we do see is because people have been rounded, they thrust their shoulders back, like Kristen was saying, and they get a rib thrust forward, and that might feel or appear like it's that heart opening, but that is um, not biomechanically, that isn't going to work as well. 
So really you need to have the stability of the rib cage, the thorax, and move the scapula onto the back body to, to, to open the sternum and, and then get that triple S, where's your head? Because your head is gonna influence the shoulders and the rib cage and that sense. So I agree, anything could be really labeled as a heart opener. We do things like cobra or even like a table, like one arm table or Certainly people think of wheel. You don't have to go all the way to wheel. If you never do a wheel in your whole life, you're still practicing that. You know, I know when I first was uh, teaching lit, this was, you know, decades ago, people would say, I noticed you don't really do a lot of heart openers. And I was like, oh, but because there was this label of like, they were only in these big back bends, you know? And so this is really to come back to that. I think people are realizing now, no, that you don't have to go into that major extension of the spine to get that feeling of openness here. Um, and especially, you know, how it radiates out from the center of the sternum out to the shoulders and really makes you feel, again, broader, more receptive, more open. And again, to stand in your um, strength and in your compassion, that's to me being open-hearted. And I love that you just brought the metaphysical side to it because I know that when, you know, I'm standing in that, in that triple S posture, I mean, I, you are giving out that, that message of receptivity. You're giving out that message of, 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 of attention. You're giving out that message of strength. Um, and even if you may not be feeling that in the moment, just by going there physically, your brain, I think, at least my brain, my brain, my emotions, I feel better. I call it the superhero, you know, heart, you know, that superhero position. You never see a superhero, you know, rounded. They are always just upright and just this, um, this, yeah, I mean, that, that heart chakra is shining like a light. And um, my brain, I'm so science that I think go always go to I always go to posture and biomechanics, but it absolutely feeds into your your emotion, to your spirit, to your yeah. Sense. Think of like when you feel sad or down, you're never like standing tall. You you feel crumply, you feel contracted, you feel you know they tell people feeling broken emotionally. That's you, when you're standing tall, you will, and, and people that take our training, we talk about this, but the research shows if you stand tall, you are going to feel different. It changes the neurophysiology. Mm -hmm. Your testosterone goes up, which is your relating to confidence. Your cortisol goes down. That relates to stress. And of course, you're going to feel more open-hearted when you feel more confident and less stressed. So I think it's like, we always think of like, we're practicing how we want to be in life on the mat, but the practice of yoga is how we infuse that in our life. So practice open-hearted poses all day. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We should all be open-hearted. Yes, we should. Okay. Uh, I've got one more question here. So the recovering, um, the recovering Lily asks, what helps to improve proprioception? Hmm. Do you want to start by maybe giving a definition of what proprioception is? Yes. I, that, that was always a foreign word that I got really excited about in PT school to learn about. And it's such a cool concept. Yeah. So proprioception is our ability to know where we are in space without actually having to kind of intellectualize it. You know, that I know that I'm when I move my arm, that I 
am reaching for something, I, I sense where I'm, it's going before. I, there, there's no like, um, you, you know, there, obviously it is an executive function, but it's happening because I have all these receptors that are telling me where I am in space. We get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. It's dark. I'm not going to, you know, if I trust my feet and the proprioception that it's giving me, I'm walking. I can feel like when I step on a towel that's been left on the ground or something. And that just allows me to make adjustments in my body accordingly. We often talk in PT about proprioception being so important because it keeps you safe, right? The proprioceptors are there along with the Golgi tendons to keep you safe with movement. One is helping you know where you are in, in space and the other is really helping you know where your end range is, is or, or when you're getting into the end range of motion, it's, it's signals to the brain to create some tension, you know, so that you're, it's protecting. So we have these amazing receptors that, that help us. And proprioceptors can get injured or damaged um, just like so other you know soft tissue structures. So if I sprain my ankle, I'm not just spraining and overstretching the ligaments and creating inflammation and pain and swelling and all that. I've also Im impacted the proprioceptors that are around there. So that's why people who have sp sprained an ankle are more likely to sprain it again unless they retrain the proprioceptors. So what we want with proprioception is sensorial stimulation so that we can be aware that, you know, of this area, that because if you've ever, say, gotten, you know, uh, surgery or something and there's a scar or you've overstretched a ligament, like we were talking about a few episodes ago with the jaw and then it becomes, the nerve becomes numb. So the nerves might be affected, but the receptors also might be. So you literally are not as clear where your footing is. So sensorial stimulation, we need to stimulate so the proprioceptors have some, some input. So you give input for better proprioception. Um, and then you also give demand for more proprioception. So for instance, if it was the ankle sprain again, I would start working once the injury has, you know, I've, I've gotten to a point where it's not so painful or swollen, I'd start doing things where I put the demand on that um, on the ankle to respond, so one-legged things, and then really just feeling. Because again, you're not gonna feel, you might need a mirror in front of you, you might need to be looking down at it. Um, you might need more tactile cues and more visual cues because again, the proprioceptors are what we call delayed in firing. So that's what happens, you know, this, you start to turn your ankle, but your head is, your brain's totally unaware of it because the message is like, duh, 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 super slow. And then by the time you figured it out, it's you've already resprained it. So there's sensorial, there's demand that you can put on it. Um, every time you're weight bearing through an area, so that's why we spend so much time weight bearing in um, yoga. And it's not just obviously we're always weight bearing. We're not floating in space, but weight bearing on our hands, weight bearing on our feet, weight bearing on our knees, weight bearing on our forearms. All these are different ways of stimulating the different proprioceptors that are numerous in the body. And to stimulate them to be more, more effective where we are in space. So the proprioceptors are going to help us as we move in um, a coordinated way. They're going to respond quicker to changes. So again, if I start moving around the mat, side lunge, and I pivot, if my proprioceptors are like delayed, that pivoting could be could be um, kind of wonky on the joints. It could be wonky on my ankle, my knee, my hip, my low back. So everywhere there are proprioceptors 
And by more weight bearing, because you're getting this ground reaction force through the body, which is stimulating all the bone, the soft tissue around it, and then all these different receptors as well. So doing that, and that could be a form of sensorial um, stimulation. Well, I think the beauty of proprioception is it can be trained. Um, and I, I, this just, as you were talking, it, it brought me to, you know, we have some, some ads out occasionally about lit and it'll be maybe a video, Laura, of you moving on the mat. And it is not just once it's several times I've seen comments that people will make, I, you know, we've got those trolls out there like, well, what about for those of us who are uncoordinated? You know, this is not, this is, this is not for us. And I'm actually saddened by that, that that someone has literally pigeonholed themselves to say, I cannot move in that way because I'm too uncoordinated. That's proprioception. And we have people coming to us as we age, we lose proprioception. Like you said, after injury, we lose proprioception. And there's an ego attached to that. When you ask someone to stand, they come to see me for whatever, stand on one leg for 10 seconds and they can't do it. They are shocked. They're humbled. Um, there's this feeling of failure. And my job is to say, guess what? Our body is so amazing that we can train this. We're going to get that back. Trust me. You're going to look back on this and be amazed you couldn't do it. But it needs training. Proprioception needs training. And unfortunately, a lot of what we do in life we're moving in a very uniplanar manner. And it's usually sagittal plane, front to back. It's not, we're not moving often enough in this multi-planar movement. And so it's our proprioceptors that allow us to do that well, but good news, proprioceptors can be trained. And it is amazing to watch and beautiful to watch people who really they do feel uncoordinated as heck and they look like baby deer out on the mat and they're just, they're confused, but by golly, if they stick with it, their brain body connection, this proprioception grows and becomes fluid. And as a result, to your point, Laura, that's what allows you to, when you aren't thinking about it, have reactivity, be able to adjust on the fly to something unexpected that happens, you become more, I even hate the term coordinated because it's, it's not adaptable, adaptable. Like, like, yeah, we've had people write us. I slipped in the shower and I, you know, before lit, I would have probably broken my hip or cracked my head, but I responded or I was hiking and I twisted my knee, but it didn't even bother me because I'm, you know, because I, there was a quicker response. And that's adaptability, which is part of the coordination and all that. And I agree with you. It's so sad when people do say that. And I want to respond like, I feel like I'm training for life, right? It's not done. Like, even if, I, even if I'm more coordinated now, I'm always trying to challenge myself. So wherever you are, if you are in that place where it's like, I could never get, get up off the ground, turn around and all that, then start smaller, but don't limit yourself because again, your brain will grow. And with all of that, all of the influences that the brain has, including on these receptors will improve, but it's not going to by just saying, oh, well, I can't she, she has that and I don't. No, we all have this ability. It's just, you have to train it. And it's, it's a training for life. It is, it is. It is truly moving better for life. And that is what proprioception is all about. You can lift as many weights as you want. 
you can get on the bike and ride as many miles as you want and be stronger, maybe, you know, stronger in your muscles, you know, stronger in your cardiovascular, but for movement purposes, for balance, for, you know, you really do need to tap into those proprioceptors and, uh, you know, really just enjoy the ride of, of watching them improve. It's fun as a PT, all the stuff that we try, you know, I'll do something. I'll be like, wow, I really did that well. And then I'm like, well, duh, because I'm showing people day in and day out how to do stuff. I'm growing too. So, um, you know, think of it as a fun little science experiment and, and, you know, and, and be, be okay to fall. You know, that, that again, that's all how we learn. I mean, even you've got those little proprioceptors, those little, you know, in this, in your skin and you're just moving your arm, that feeling of the air is a proprioception. It's, it's that input Lara's talking about. We have all these different inputs, but we need to keep inputting information to them or they will get stale and stagnant. Dull. Yeah, exactly. All right. So everybody keep moving, get lit. That's what all of this stuff we work on. So, you know, check out our lit daily. We have, um, almost a thousand classes, not all up there at one time, but you can start um, small and just keep with it. It will change your life. I promise you. Thank you so much. If you have any questions, please write me or KB on Instagram, Laura.hyman or KBWilliams99. Yep. You can also reach us via email at support at lityoga.com. That's L-Y-T yoga.com. We will have those forwarded to us and get back to you real yeah. quick. Yeah. We love your questions and we love you. And as always, we're, we're pulling, pulling for you. For you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.